Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of The Daily Objective. We've got a lot to talk about today. I am Rucka, of course, and we have uh, a man who, you know, when people talk about the history of philosophy, you know what they say? They say, from Nicomachus all the way to Nikos Soritakopoulos. <laughs> well, we kind well, that was sure. too close. That was the closest that someone got to pronouncing my surname. Thanks, Raka. So just to say to our audience that yesterday we had some technical problems. So today we're trying a completely new setup. So if you see maybe a, a, another box or two in your screen, it will be because we're trying hard to make sure that the show runs smoothly. And also, just to let you know that next week, we're going to have some very nice surprises when it comes to our guest. But before next week, we have another Freedom Friday, which is our theme every Friday. We discuss things around freedom, around the liberty movement. And today, there's a topic which is about the suggested, the, the, the hypothetical pipeline between libertarianism and the alt-right. And before we begin, let me say, I objected to the use of the term alt-right, but the Lord Emperor, who is running the show behind the scenes, had his way. But when I say alt-right, I write it with a small a and a small r, and I'm referring to the wider reactionary right movement. So during this show, I won't be using the term. Raga, do you, do you, do you think that there is such a thing as alt-right? Yeah, I think uh, it falls, like all concepts, it falls within a certain range. And this is a concept which is a little bit blurrier than many. And that's part of uh, their whole spiel. That's part of their whole shtick. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it's, it's difficult to understand who's part of it, what they stand for, when they're joking, when they're serious. So the confusion is sort of um, part of the definition or the description. Yeah, and the second thing I want to you know, clarify from the beginning is that the vast, vast, vast majority of people who would identify themselves as being in the libertarian movement did not go in the pipeline that led to the reactionary right. But there have been many discussions about whether there is something in the libertarian ideas that make them susceptible to people going down the line to reaction. And the reason is because many people who today are at the core of what we would call the alternative right, again, with, not with capital A, people like, for example, Curtis Yarvin or people like uh, Molyneux, people like Paul Gottfried, who is supposedly the godfather of the term today, together with Spencer, and Spencer himself supposedly had some flirting with the wider Ron Paul movement around 2008. So, this, so, so these critics say, wait a minute, so there's something here. We, we see many of the key figures having something to do with the libertarian movement. And to play devil's advocate, I would also say that one of the most important influences in what we would call the alternative right has been paleoconservatism. And paleoconservatism is also something that has the footprints of libertarianism all over it, with people such as going back to Murray Rothbard himself, with people around the, the Lou Rockwell team supporting Pat Buchanan or being sympathetic to Pat Buchanan in 92, because Buchanan is also one of the godfathers of the intellectual godfathers of paleoconservatism, and which was in a way 
a step towards what is now the reactionary or the alternative right. And so there is something, there is something there. So what do you think is the thing that makes these two milieus, although again, we're not talking about everyone in them, but there is some sort of some sort of kind of falling the one close to each other. What's that? There's uh, many ways to approach this question and how the two sort of uh, philosophies correlate and how one might lead into the other. Uh, I think the sort of level 10 objectivist answer might be that the because libertarians never had a full philosophy, they had many chinks in their armor. They were always susceptible to being penetrated by mysticism, collectivism, altruism. A lot of them always approached liberty from not all, but some, maybe many approach liberty still from the standpoint of an authoritarian saying that the free range model sort of works best, but they still see it as a favor that they're granting their fellow man, as opposed to the objectivist philosophy, which obviously began begins with with fundamentals and finally reaches the stage of rights within, a, you know, and their social context. Uh, that's the sort of objective, ex, uh, explicitly objectivist response. But um, the more sort of uh, layman answer I can give you is the more complicated things get in the world, the more difficult it becomes to persuade people that liberty and individualism is the way out. And there's so many different areas where this is the case, whether it relates to terrorism, whether it relates to immigration and, and how that intersects with other issues in politics and culture. Um, economics, of course, the more we see bank bailouts and crashes and all these things, the harder it becomes to convince people that capitalism, that lack of capitalism got us into this mess. And, uh, and the more we see the, the left go crazy, and the, the more it sort of appears that individualism has run amok and that we need to think more about the family, more about the community, more about order as opposed to liberty. And, uh, and the more we see big business uh, paying lip service to social justice, the more it seems like, yeah, capitalism is sort of in, sort of uh, related to this sort of uh, type of individualism, in quotes, that we see the social justice left speaking of. So it becomes very difficult to, uh, to tell people, no, 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 no. It was the lack of individualism that got us here. It was the lack of reason. It was a misunderstanding of liberty. And we need to actually discover morality, discover individualism and reason rather than abandoning it now. What you said about, uh, just to highlight that my agreement on what you said about liberty. So there used to be a video on YouTube, which was kind of the introduction to the alt-right channel. Of course, most of the alt-right material cannot be found anymore. But I had kept notes because I found it very interesting. And in that video, Richard Spencer mentions that freedom, or I'm not quoting 100%, but something like freedom is another place you can go shopping. And this shows exactly what is their view of what you said individualism and freedom. They confuse individualism with this like, person without agency, with, with this person who is all about, his whole life is about doing what everyone else is doing in terms of consuming or whatever. But I think there's another issue that allowed the alt-right to get a lot of people from around the libertarian movement. And it is that the libertarian is not an overall philosophy. There are some libertarians who have more of a coherent view, 
but most of them focus on economics. And even their philosophy, for example, there is a way where you could say praxeology is morally neutral. And actually, not there is a way, they actually claim that. They say, for example, that praxeology is about human action. We see what people do. Now, this creates a vacuum. This creates a vacuum where you're still in need of some values to inspire you. And we know that people want a vision of life. So there comes the, the reactionaries and particularly some new entries in what I would call the aesthetic reactionary right. And I'm referring to people like the bronze, bronze age pervert, which is we're going to have a whole episode about this phenomenon, which is this reactionary idea combined with an aesthetic vision, the aesthetic vision of the fighter, the aesthetic vision of virality, of masculinity, and all that stuff. So suddenly these people say, you know what? Actually, economics don't matter that much. The, these individuals, this, okay, that's good, but that's now the big thing. The big thing is, uh, is these values, is this spirit. And then it's very easy, and then it's very easy to say, well, since culture is, sorry, politics is downstream from culture, then economics is even more downstream from culture. So I will go full in on this kind of cultural movement. And here is the key issue for me, the prevalence of the culture wars. The prevalence of the culture wars means that the battle of ideas is not any more so prevalent because culture wars means that movements that have not got a coherent ideology are fighting in the trenches of things like you know, things like abortion or free speech, although none of these sides really understand it. And these are important issues. But the more you dig into it, you will see that you don't really have a, a huge class of fundamental philosophic visions. And you see this in how prevalent was the trolling culture. Like even one of the supposed, or one of the people who is considered one of the most serious philosophers of libertarian, Hans Hermann Hoppe, he has been almost reduced to the meme, either with a helicopter or with the physical removal thing. So the fact that the culture wars are the game in town means that the reactionary right plays at home in that field. Whereas the libertarians, specifically the boring ones, the ones about you know, how to put income tax down from 35% to 33%, this is a battle which is lost for them. Yes, I agree. There's a lot you said there, of course, and it was all great. I'm trying to think of what do I want to address. I think uh, what struck me most just now was the fact that values are sort of, in a certain sense, the starting point where the battle begins and ends. Philosophy is not some disinterested realm you're, you're sort of referring to occasionally. Philosophy has everything to do with your values, and that's something that objectivism identifies. Uh, this is why art is indispensable. This is why at the end of Leonard Peikoff's legendary podcast, he would always say, if you're new to this, I would suggest starting with Ayn Rand's two most important novels, The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. If we are just going to be economists, and now I'm no longer quoting Peikoff, um, if we're going to be just economists or just argue about, you know, technical politics, Where's the inspiration in that? And it's so easy to, to sort of change your mind after the fact. Um, uh, speak, I mean, to name one sort of libertarian who became, I don't know, alt-right or whatever you would call her, Lauren Southern, 
what a success story. You know, she grew up in uh, leftist Canada. She heard Dennis Prager, according to her, she heard him that kind of got her to rethink leftism and she became sort of more libertarian, ended up uh, nowhere positive, in my opinion. And I remember uh, during the course of this journey, she tweeted out something like libertarianism would be nice, but we need something more than, you know, I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing off foggy memory, but we need something more. We need something more. Like, uh, I think she was referring to sort of national identity, heritage, you know, look at look at these things we take for granted. Like, I mean, I'm this is me not talking like holidays, uh, um, geography, stuff that sort of does tie us together. And I think she was saying, well, we need we need to hold on to that. Now, it is true that these memes in the culture, these holidays, these times and places, they are sort of a common reference point that a community can sort of enjoy together. But more fundamental to that is are the values of the individual. And that is incompatible with hard nationalism. That is incompatible with, and what I mean is uh, elevating the nation above the individual. So ultimately uh, we need to ask what happens when the individual is at odds with the interests of the community, with the so-called interests of the nation. That's where um, politics should side with the individual. And the only way people are ever gonna stick to that conviction is if they have a very first-handed attachment to values and there's man as a heroic being as as rand depicts him and for decades libertarians have um have brushed aside objectivism's emphasis on man as a heroic being on the art on romantic realism and said oh who cares like cap you know uh capitalism works we know that let's just make the economic argument let's just uh or let's let's appeal to people's subjective uh, preferences and just tell them, yeah, yeah, you can run free. You can run free. At the end of the day, even the most hedonistic people are not driven by pure whim. They, they do have some sort of moral compass that they refer to. They do have a philosophy. Philosophy is inescapable. And when the dust settles, even the most rabid of whim worshipers are going to follow the lead of what they believe to be moral, what they believe to be somewhat orderly, and what inspires them. So there's my answer to what you just well, said. Well, I'll go and do a bit of white knighting here. I don't think that uh, Lauren Southern, I mean, she went to a conservative route, but I don't think I would use the term, I'll try it, specifically the way the term was weaponized by the mainstream media to attack even people like, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, you know, even we objectivists would be considered quotes alt, uh, alt, uh, alt right. But here's, here's, here's the thing though. The problem is that, so th there was, for example, this very famous Hans Hermann Hoppe talk in his Freedom of Property and Freedom of Society, where he said, how to evaluate the alt-right. And it's like, the alt-right is good in this and this and this. The alt-right is bad in economics. And therefore overall, the alt-right is bad. Now, to be fair, in the last years, he has more kind of disassociated himself. But you would see, for example, him inviting race realists in his, in his group. And the issue here is that, again, when your starting point is economics, and when your starting point is this essentialist view that different groups, some groups are ready for freedom, some groups are not ready for freedom, then this is, in my opinion, the seed of everything bad. So I would not, although I would say I kind of understand why some people find an appeal in this movement, 
the good thing is that objectivism in a way is 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 safe from this from going down to this route and here's why because this vision this heroic vision does not have to be found i don't know in battle or in an, our ancestors or whatever the the effort of let's say someone like Hank Reardon to 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 achieve his values is something heroic it is the equivalent of the guy in armor and i don't want to make spoilers but if you remember one of the last scenes Reardon and Francisco they're also men who can fight their way to what is right and to to what is what is moral so this this idea that that you know anything that has to do with economics or with production is this boring field whereas we need some sort of we need we need this some sort of you know, battle or whatever i think this is a why a lot of people find it appealing but also this has to do with a general cultural atmosphere that tells you that you know, capitalism is alienating and it's very interesting they talk about the pipeline between libertarians and alt-right I don't hear much about the pipeline between all the, the, the new left ideas and the reactionary right. For example, the Nouvelle Droit, which is the new right in France, uh, we, whose leader is Alain de Benoit, who is one of the intellectual godfathers of the alt-right. He calls himself, and these people call themselves, Gramscians of the right. And if you see his pantheon of heroes, you will find, not, not heroes, of influences, you will find many new leftists because they say, look, capitalism is alienating. Therefore, we need to go beyond this. And how do we go beyond this? Basically go backwards. And that, that's why I use the term reactionary. I don't use it as a slur. I don't use it as an attack. I use it in its literal sense that this is a reaction, but it's a reaction to the wrong things or mostly to the wrong things. It's a reaction to the idea of enlightenment that says that what we all have in common is our mind. It's a reaction to the idea that by production, the world is going to become a better place or can become a better place. And again, this is something you find both in the right and in the left. They don't believe in progress anymore. They see human beings as mouths to be fed, not as arms that are going to do the work and create a better place. So the way to fight reactionary ideas, in my opinion, is not to censor them, is not to make the videos disappear. You listen to them for some minutes, you realize why they are wrong. So we need to attack these ideas to their roots. And this doesn't mean to say, oh, you know, you're all Nazis. This is not going to convince. The way to convince is also to provide an alternative, beautiful and heroic view of what life could be and what life should be. And uh, let's, I'll, I'll let you to, to give us a final thought so that we have a beautiful weekend and something to get inspired by. Yeah, I mean, just I, I want to point out, so like the anti-war uh, minded people, a lot of them, they, they, were, they, were, they, they reject like the, the conservatives of, of a few years ago. They say, oh, those guys are warmongers. They don't understand that George W. Bush had a crazy um, uh, Christian approach to war that, that hurt more Americans then defended Americans. Um, so they're turned off by like a certain type of conservative and they, 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 they were drawn to this other type of right, the al alternative right, so to speak, which is supposed to be socially liberal, but fiscally conservative. And then oh, after a few years, it flipped to becoming fiscally liberal as in uh, socialist, but um, more authoritarian in the social realm. They're, 
is a superficial movements are going to be easily swayed and easily changed. You are correct that objectivism is impenetrable by all of these basic B word philosophies because we go much deeper and more fundamental, but it's important for us to remember this, not to become stewards of the, of the mainstream academia, not to become biological determinists, not to learn our science from people like Brett Weinstein and Jonathan Haidt. We need to emphasize where we differ from everyone else, which, is, um, which should be done in a friendly and peaceful tone. And I agree, no need to call anybody Nazis unless they're Nazis. We need to understand where they're coming from fundamentally and contrast ourselves with them. You mentioned objectivism. Does any objectivist center that would be worthy supporting comes to mind? What do you mean? Oh, the I, well, I've heard of this place. All right, it's confusing because they've got this 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 Greek guy, but they're actually uh, called Objectivist Center UK. So if you accidentally sent some money to Objectivist Center Greece, get a <laughs> refund and send it to Objectivist Center UK. Uh, right, care of Nikos. Well, no, actually, it would be the Lord Emperor who is running the thing. And go to yeah. Ayn Rand Center UK, help uh, Razi and the team in what they're doing, because they're doing a great job. Raga, uh, give us the parting words. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. And remember, the alt-right is not the answer. Thank you very much. All best. <laughs>